So that's why performance max comes in with the full funnel. Honestly, there's a client who had the best SEO possible. Like they have blogs around all the possible intents that people would be looking into. And they, because of their SEO was so strong, Google Performance Max built a full funnel, like starting from the blogs. And we saw that so many intakes were coming from the blog posts itself. That's it. And an ideal situation for any advertiser would be that they would take in the offer page and, you know, start a campaign and expecting that that would work better. But then since they had like so many blog posts and the performance max was catching on to the queries, which were more top of the funnel. And then they started showing the blogs and the page was so beautifully built that they had these micro conversions in there. So the moment a person who was in that inquiry and research phase, by the end of the blog post, they have a small call to action that, you know what, you can sign up for free and things like that. And then nurturing that and then Performance Max tries to further get push them in the funnel, make that sale. And so that's very important to identify what users looking for and start from the top, capturing them in the awareness to the conversion stage. This is the Customer Acquisition Show, the podcast that helps you turn complete strangers into repeat customers and grow your business. Hello and welcome to the Customer Acquisition Show. I am your host, Tom Meredith, the VP of Marketing here at Tier 11. Today we're joined by some seasoned vets of the Customer Acquisition Show, Roshna and Ali. And we're here to talk about what's working now in Google Ads. How are you guys doing today? Really good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. How are things in uh, Google land? Before we get started with Google, I want to say before, like after the end of the call, do we get a shirt like yours? As a participant, like token to participant. You know, I think we should all get more Hawaiian shirts. Yeah. That's actually one thing I want to do with AI mid journey is Vans shoes will allow you to custom print your shoes. So I want to use mid journey to create like a custom Hawaiian shirt theme and get this printed on shoes. Yay. Nice. So, so many people now doing that, doing SEO and, and then to print on demand and even ads to print on demand. Yeah. Be journey and what's the other one? There's a few of them like stable diffusion. That's the one. Dolly is average. Yeah, I really like mid journey and stable diffusion. Have you used stable diffusion much? Yeah, yeah. And I'm not using it on my computer. It doesn't work on Mac. (laughs) I'm using through RAM diffusion. You pay for a cloud and you play with it. It's a little bit more precise. And there's the Leonardo AI also, which I kind of like also. I've been using the one that built into Photoshop quite a bit, the generative AI there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's crazy. The stuff you had to do before with Photoshop to remove, for example, text out of an image, and now you select it, it remove it. You just say, remove the text. Okay. It's crazy. I really love it. It's definitely actually helped us as media buyers a lot because not just like for the Google Ads perspective, let's say I have a campaign to go live and... Because of the AI, I can actually quickly generate ideas like the visual images and like what direction I want to go into, what's like the campaign. Otherwise, the turnaround time was so much. Like I would plan and then go to the design, put together something, go to the client. You know, I want to go live with something like that, then come back, do iteration. But with AI, it's become so quick. The turnaround time is so quick. It's still not perfect, especially text to video generative AI. 
but definitely has helped us in getting things out quickly. Yeah, I'm creating prompt and prompt and prompt. You do it, though? It's like I have so many prompts to try to optimize everything. It's crazy. Uh, I, I think this is actually a good start to this topic, and I'm happy to go down this route quite a while. Like even how you guys are using Google AI. I, but to answer your question, Ollie, yeah, I've got a lot of prompts and save prompts. I'll even use them in a, a text expander for something that I use on a repeatable basis. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I created a uh, in Notion. I can share with you if you want. Like, yeah. uh, oh, I, I created Notion. You have a database. Yeah. Have you been using Anthropic at all, Claude? Oh yeah, for long content, but it's more for content creation. Because it'll allow me to do 5K text easier than with ChatGPT. Yeah, I've been using that a lot. I like that one a lot. I don't know if I'd like it more. They're kind of like different use cases. I find I have like different use cases for each of the AIs. Like Bard, I use for like how I'd want to ask a question of Google. ChatGPT is like my writing partner. And then Claude, I, you know, somebody I always want to outsource longer form stuff to. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and for Google Ads, I Bard for keyword research. <laughs> because it belongs to Google. So normally the research for the keywords are better than on OpenAI and ChatGPT, etc. So every app is a usage. Talk about how you're using BARD for Google keywords, like a bit more specifically. I would try to search more long tail keywords by using BARD. So I would feed a little bit and then use my prompt to search, for example, a 10 keywords that are related, but uh, long tail for maximum three or four keywords. And I will ask him and continue. It's more kind of a conversation, but you can find some gems. So, so really keywords. Oh, this one, I could use it. So for Google ads, and also when you want to write some content on some ads, it can give you some ideas. It's more specific really for Google ads. If I have to do my research, I'd rather use Bart. But for creating, I'd rather use ChatGPT. It's like, it's like you said, every AI has its usage, but I'm afraid to multiply a little bit too much by I'm going to have to pay 200. With ChatGPT, it's also about getting the right prompts. Like, for example, if I am selling something and I have five kinds of avatar, now it's not about like which keyword you test. It's also the what intents do you test more with the keywords. And that's where you can really ChatGPT that just imagine you're that buyer persona. What would you put in? Like what variety and how would you put up a query with different intents and then you can get a lesson. So that gets you what the buyer intention across different personas would be. That prompt part with the AI is really important. If you have the right prompts, you can actually do a lot. Otherwise, a simple thing like get me keyword list of this, 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 it's like it's basic stuff. So you have to level up your game. You can actually do really well with ChatGPT. No, I was going to say, have you guys used the custom instructions in ChatGPT Yeah. Yeah, I have a list also for every persona. So every profile I want to start with, okay, I'm a media buyer. I'm searching for a list of keywords. So I'm preparing the instruction and you have to follow this, this, this. Yeah. What I regret is there's no individual one. So you have to redo every time. That's what I regret for now. I almost feel like, getting individual ChatGPT logins for each custom. Yeah, 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 it's true. It's true. That's the only part that's annoying, but it's already good like this. Yeah. So, Ross, you were talking a little bit earlier about how you were using ChatGPT for not having to go back and forth with clients and other stuff. Can you talk a little bit more specific about kind of your workflow there and what you're using it for? 
a lot of time what happens especially if it's the campaign creative oriented a lot like images and videos we have different angles looks and like the targeting variations like this is the version one, two, three, four. we have it in our minds or we have to do it we have to put it together in terms of like the creative brief and get back to the designer they'll give us something and then we'll go to the client try to show and try to get suggestions but now it's like i don't need the designer there like probably some little tweaks that ai fails to get me but i know what i really want to test this is the avatar i want to go after then i'll just put it into my journey get some variations this is what i'm looking at the feel of the creative with that and then quickly show it to the client so that time in between saves a lot it's the iteration part of between the we when you have in your mind what client expects and so that back and forth is something that's just the best thing i found so far nice yeah i recently used chatgpt for coming up with some creative ideas so if you start to see a new video i think we're running ads for it of ralph using soccer as an, an analogy for full funnel marketing or football for all the internationals that came from a list of ideas from chatgpt I, I was looking for i asked it basically to come up with analogies for full funnel marketing and it gave me a list most of them were not very good but some of them like really hit home and like we can build upon that. And I think it's really, for me, is a really strong creative partner for me. Yeah, definitely. The creative iterations, we'd go, we threw what really worked and we put in more variations of things which have worked for us. The AI tools help us provide variations if we have right prompts. If this worked, why is it work? And this is the direction we want to create variations into. So you help us out in that. So it's like dream come true, I would say. Because you don't have the idea of blockage, like, oh my God, what should be the next variation or the next test? You just flow. You learn from it and you quickly deliver things on the client end. I agreed. How about chat, GPT, code interpreter? Are you guys using that for any sort of data analysis? I was tempted to do it with Excel sheet. I haven't tried yet. It's so overwhelming nowadays. We are saving time. But every time I save time, I learn something else. And I'm like, oh, I have to watch that and, and then learn how to do that. So the, the, the code interpreter, I think I used it for one or two things. But but I wanted to try uploading an Excel sheet and ask him to analyze specific column and things like that. So it's on my to-do list. <laughs> I know. My Twitter feed is full of somewhat nerdy AI people and just the new stuff that's always coming out. Yeah. Every day you wake up, there's a new exciting AI in the market, really. And then it's really hard. For me, it's really hard to keep up with all the tools that are coming in the market. So I just test the ones which are like really popular and can help me with my media buying. Otherwise, it's really distracting, honestly. I know. And my problem is I like the chat GPT for my work, but I like a side of my work and then I like my journey. And then it's it's completely overwhelming. But it's an era for me. It's like going to change everything. So. Oh, for sure. I mean, even Midjourney now has their in-painting tool where you can modify. That was always the biggest problem with Midjourney is you had to like nail the prompt. Now you can always just kind of iterate on like the image it puts out. Or you can use ChatGPT to do the prompt for you. Also. You know, with Code Interpreter, as an agency, we have to be somewhat careful about what we can and can't upload because our clients data. We're doing some new ad testing for tier 11 marketing, testing, really leaning into the idea that we've been talking a lot about of 
you know, the different phases of awareness, consideration, and conversion. So what I did is I took all of the CSV files for the performance of our different social posts across Meta and YouTube, fed those into Code Interpreter, and asked it to predict which of these socials would be better at each stage of the customer journey. And it went through this whole list of like awareness. You have to really be focused on average view length, total impressions. So it picked the top videos or social posts based off of those criteria. Then it was like consideration. It was like, well, here we want to pick videos that have high engagement, comments, shares, and all that, and picked a set of videos for there. And then for conversion, it was basing it off of click-through rates because there's not really a whole lot of conversion data on social media. So it was pretty interesting how it like used everything that it's built on to take a massive amount of information and give me five things that I would have spent tons of time just going through and making guesses on my own. It would be good also for if you do a YouTube campaign. You will know, okay, what I'm going to start with and mix with the audience and you follow your funnel with it. It's, uh, it's also useful for that. I guess you know what kind of video you would want. On that, I don't know if you remember the framework that we have, the Educate framework. So that one, I've taken that framework, just for example, like any hook, problem, solution, and then you put a credential and then a call to action. So like a basic framework that is that you put it in. If you have an intense framework, like follow these, 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 these steps and you put that framework in and ask Google to fill in variations of hook problems and then solution and then a credential part of it. So it can really help in creating the video. And then you take that as the only send that give me a prompt to create a text to video and then it, you put it in there. I think we are already living in 2040 or 2030. <laughs> the thing I found most helpful with stuff like that is having a really strong ICP or persona profile. Like I'll usually feed that in first, who we're trying to target, what keeps them up at night, what are their goals. And if we have really cool language there that is based off the customer's language, that really helps coming up with very good outputs. So the one that's really excited is the AI audio one if that can be integrated with the communication tools like Slack, what that AI does is you do communication with the people on Slack and learns how you talk, how you respond, and then it starts responding on behalf of you if people are looking for any questions or queries. And I just realized that how we have gotten derailed from Google Ads. So what was that tool called? No, it's in working. It's not uh, still here, yeah. All right, we have a question from Saeed here. Kindly name some free AI tools as well, specifically for Google Ads. Yeah, maybe Rash and I have some names because I don't use specific tools. I mostly use ChatGPT, Bard, and Claude, but I don't use specific AI tools for Google Ads. More Google for content. itself is uh, the biggest AI tool in itself. So <laughs> you don't necessarily need another AI tool to combine. But if you're starting small, I would say chat GPT is the way to go because it's again not creative heavy on Google. So yeah, I think chat GPT would do 90% of your work. Besides that, there are other AI options already available inside Google Ads. Enhanced conversion that you should use or any suggestions that, you know, in terms of the headlines that pop up, keywords that pop up. Be very strategic about it, not just if Google is giving you, you're just testing. But there are so many AI tools included in the Google Ads uh, dashboard itself. So honestly, like we manage so many heavy spending Google Ads account. 
hardly have we come across that we need a very specific AI tool. We just do with ChatGPT. What about you, Ali? Is there anything else you use? No, it's really I ChatGPT, Bar, Cloud for some content. The rest is like I still use my old SpyFu for the competitive. So no specific tool for my ads. I think it's enough with ChatGPT and everything it offers. And, and Bard also. Yeah. Facebook and Google must be like, why does everybody care about AI now? We've been doing machine learning for the last five to eight years, if not longer. Have you found different performance when using the Google generated copy? Google generated copy comes from the website. So if the website has like really good content, then it's helpful. If the website doesn't really have very good content that goes along with the targeting that we are doing, then it depends again, like how good the generative content, like the headline description taken by Google should be given priority or you want to put in your headline. Because that just is a random shot taken by the AI to scroll through your website. Okay, I like this, I like this, and I can put together some headlines or some variations of that. What do you think, Ani? That's where SEO is coming back. If you have a good structure on your website, on-site SEO, then Google will remember and then find the best headlines and find the best content to use in your ads. So SEO is still there. That's why it's still there. Very important. The importance of SEO is growing so much. Like if people don't pay attention to focus on the SEO part of the website and just things sticking in title and the, the body, that's it. It's not going to crack. The amount of spend you would do and still wouldn't get the results, I would say that spend has to go with SEO first. The reason is that the Google is moving forward with more AI-driven tools. For example, the Performance Max is going in a direction where all you need to give is your website. That's it. Like you don't need to give text, descriptions, long headlines, nothing. You don't even give the keywords. All you have to give is website, of course, as much heavy budget as possible. Two things you need. And you just start the performance max campaign. So if Google fails in understanding your website in order to what do you sell as a product or a service, whatever budget you have, you'll never be able to get the results. The importance of SEO is really big right now. We have come across situations where we have a campaign running, we have the best keyword research. We have the best campaign running. By the end of the day, we realize that the moment we take that link and we stick it into keyword planner and try to get what Google thinks we rank as a landing page, it was completely two opposite things. So that is why the importance is only growing. Yeah, I mean, it's like beyond even SEO. It's like really having good, clear messaging. Because if Google can't understand it, Humans definitely can't yeah. understand it. Yeah. Definitely. All right, we have another question here I'd love to get your perspective on from Ar- Arjun. How do you create a solid media plan? I think what he's asking here is like, how do you maybe start from like the brainstorming phase of like how you want to build out a campaign over maybe a, a defined period of time? Well, Ollie is really good at Facebook ads, I would say. So Ari is uh, really good with Google and Facebook together. What do you think? The media plan to think how to work on the branding, the awareness, and then the complete construction of the plan. So we talked about the structure of the website. It would be one of the first things 
should focus on. And then when we come to pay that, what I realized this last year, maybe the year before, maybe mostly this last year, is the usage of Facebook at the same time as, as Google Ads is really important because they come along together now. You need Facebook to push the awareness, the branding of people. They discover your brand and then they go on Google to search. Who are you? It's really important. I think in the past and still now, some people advertise, they think, oh, I, I'm going to do Google Ads only or I'm going to do Facebook Ads only or Facebook Ads is not working. I'm going to stop there and do only Google Ads. And then their Google Ads is decreasing. So in the media plan, I would try to think about a balanced budget with Facebook and Google Ads and not only one, okay, I want to spend 5000 per month only on Google Ads. I would try to balance. It depends on the ratio you want to do. It's so broad, the media plan. You could, you could think about so many things. If we just talk about the marketing plan only, like what's the marketing plan? It's always good to divide your budget through multiple channels rather than just putting all your money into one channel. In general, in marketing, just not digital marketing, it's the best practice is to divide and try to test multiple things at once. As Oli said, Facebook really works well. We've come across situations a lot many times that Google was running. Facebook was also running along with Google. But the ROAS on the Google side is two times on Facebook. So the client decides to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put all my money from Facebook and put it into Google because that's the ROAS I'm getting, the most ROAS. And what happens? The moment they pull budgets from Facebook, the Google performance also tanks. That's where the ACC framework really helps. Like, where are you creating awareness about your product? And it, again, depends on the business. Like, is your business more about, are people even aware about the problem? Like, if they're not even aware about the problem that they have, then you'll have to run some awareness-based campaign so people get aware about the problem and then you come in as a solution provider and that's where they'll go to a channel like Google and look for you and convert for you. That's very important. I think even a step above it like, comes down to the customer and the whole customer journey, like really taking some time to map out how a customer or potential customer goes through the whole journey to actually purchase from you. How do they, where do they first hear about you or find out about you? Is it influencer marketing? Is it through kind of awareness and consideration ads on Facebook and the other social platforms, YouTube as well? And then like after that, what happens? They land on your site and then what do you do? Like it's really thinking about how you're going to treat each of these different platforms separately and make sure that the budget is spread across appropriately and really understanding what each of these platforms is good for. Like Google, as Roshan was mentioning, it's just for answering people's problems. And when somebody Googles, not outside of your brand name, if somebody's Googling the problem that you solve, you better have a lot of ads and information on your website about how you solve that problem. Yeah. Yeah, let's not forget exactly. TikTok and Pinterest. Yeah. For branding, it's not bad. Don't sleep on Pinterest. <laughs> I mean, even social, from social. So uh, Perpetual Traffic, one of the recurring guests, Lauren Petrullo has a Pinterest agency and she's running the Perpetual Traffic Pinterest. Yeah, listen to that one. That's really good. It gets getting like 100,000 views a month now after three months, sending like 1,000 people to a, the website. It's nuts. So I would not sleep on Pinterest. No, no, it's really good. It's really good. I'm using it. So that's why I mentioned it. Sometimes we forgot that it's a very good one. I think I heard recently that Amazon's also taken the placements on Pinterest. 
So from your Amazon ads, now you can deliver your ads on the Pinterest. So that's a good one. So kind of getting back to SEO or just messaging in general, I think this is a good time to talk about search generative experience. And all you want to have a little demo that we're going to play around with to kind of show what you can expect, at least in the near term, of how users are going to potentially experience your brand. I type in here, best Hawaiian t-shirt. Let's do something like best running shoes. That's a problem that has, like they can't make a decision. They know they want to run and get healthy. It's just generating here if you see in the bottom. So you have, of course, Google Shopping now. So you have Google Shopping, then the two results in search. Then you have the generative result, generative AI. We can show more, continue the conversation if you want. But you still have the three top results on organic because we were discussing before. So you, those three still Actually, running. Actually, you know, can you check if the organic and the one citation which is there is it the same as the organic yeah that's what i'm searching yes we're in our world yes not the same exactly the best running shoes of 2000 it's not exactly the same it's the website it's the same website how to pick no yeah it's new york mag and Your loop is not even there it's weird that's the seo we're talking about like now the game of seo is going to get really stronger because the organic listing you see the first one is runners world and the next one is not really the one, the gear loop on the generative AI. So how do you rank for generative AI is going to be really interesting. Yeah, it's going to be different. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's interesting to study. Yeah, I didn't think about that one. It's really not the same top three, you see. It is really interesting that they're using different algorithms to rank like their normal SEO search results, but also the ones that are within the generative AI references. I mean, this kind of gets to the big problem with SEO is people create stuff specifically for the search engines, where it looks like the stuff that's in the generative AI is actually more creative for people. Especially since in the beginning that you had like Google saying, oh, no, we don't want AI generated content. And now they say, OK, it's OK if it's valuable. You have to find the balance where it's valuable and then you can generate a, lot, a ton of content like this. But I think it's normal that if it's good content, even if it's AI creating it, I don't see the problem because you have so many people that write bad content. If the AI is writing something that's better to read, why not? But yeah, so I think the generative AI isn't taking that Saucony article as a whole. It took all the different results that it's citing and picking the best for each of the criteria that people value. So I don't know if like the Saucony yeah, is best for outside grip, it looks like, and cushioning. Or that yeah. maybe there's probably about Brooks for fit and ride. So I think this is actually branding becomes like really important. Where if you think of Volvo, what do you think of like safest, I mean, safest cars in the world, right? So if you look up safest cars, you better, if you're Volvo, you better be showing up on the SGE. It's true. But it's really interesting when you look at this whole page, you can see what Google values. You can see what Google <laughs> makes. Right. <laughs> like, uh, it's, easy yeah. conversion, right. make a ton of money for them. Then you get to the search result ads. And then they're saying that the SGE is more valuable for them than the regular results. And we don't know how it looks on mobile. How would it look if you go to 12 Pro? Maybe it'll change it. Imagine on mobile, though, the scroll you have to do to see the organic part. Yeah. How important are. Uh, Google Shopping ads. Just when I was checking also, here you have the top two and you have other example of when I type in lawyer near me, it's not always generative AI doing it, okay? So here you see you have four paid and then 
it doesn't put the generative AI every time. If you want to generate, you have to ask him to generate. So here you have the four search results, then you have GMB, and then you have their organic. If you don't want that, you'll have to. You're going to click it, of course. See, it's another display again. Would you say the intent of the keyword matters a lot if you know Google decides to show generative response? Because this one is more transactional, like navigational. Yeah, probably. Yeah, the problem is going to be shopping. Either you have shopping, or either a service. All right. So just to summarize, how to start planning for marketing in this generative search world? What would we say? Like our top three things to focus are. Oh my god! I have to con- if you have a mm-hmm. product that you can get on Google Shopping, you have to be on Google Shopping. Yeah, yeah, that's mandatory. Yeah, basic, very basic. I'm a basic guy. <laughs> be on uh, Merchant Center. Have your Shopify properly connected with all the tracking, your directly marketing. Pretty basic. Have your conversion actions in place. Have your shopping feed optimized. Like I see a lot many times when people have their shopping feed not optimized and they start their ads. So it's not clear from the title what the product is. The image itself, the background of that product is so blurry. It, it just doesn't stand out in that whole list. So other than that, basic keyword research and give them a reason to buy from you. Why should they buy from you? Good description. Yeah, SEO optimized description. We come back to SEO again. Google Shopping is also about ranking, so it has to be optimized also. Clear and optimized. And also GTIN number. A lot many times GTIN numbers are missing. That's the biggest attribute from which Google learns about your product and where to show. GTIN number, very important. I'd say from like a creative perspective, I would start searching your products and questions around your products in SGE to see what is coming up and then start using creating content for those specific things. So in the case of a running shoe, I would be leaning into articles about why my running shoe has the best fit or has the best traction off-road. Like it's very clear how they're pulling information into SGE. So you want to start creating stuff for how it's going to present those answers. So that's why Performance Max comes in with the full funnel. Honestly, there's a client who had the best SEO possible. Like they have blogs around all the possible intents that people would be looking into. And they, because of their SEO was so strong, Google Performance Max built a full funnel, like starting from the blogs. And we saw that so many intakes were coming from the blog posts itself. That's it. And an ideal situation for any advertiser would be that they would take in the offer page and, you know, start a campaign and expecting that that would work better. But then since they had like so many blog posts and the performance max was catching on to the queries, which were more top of the funnel. And then they started showing the blogs and the page was so beautifully built that they had these micro conversions in there. So the moment a person who was in that inquiry and research phase, by the end of the blog post, they have a small call to action that, you know what, you can sign up for free and things like that. And then nurturing that and then Performance Max tries to further get push them in the funnel, make that sale. And so that's very important to identify what users looking for and start from the top, capturing them in the awareness to the conversion stage. 
yeah, I think the same. It's like it's the opposite that a company or a brand they forgot to create the content and they forgot to create the value behind. So they create their Shopify and it's like they put their product and then they well, okay, let's do branding. But the branding is also about giving value to the people if you want them to buy from you. So it's exactly that. They find the blog post and the blog post, oh yeah, that's true. They give value so they come back to the to the brand and then it's easier for them to convert because they know you're not afraid of giving some value and explaining why it's better it's really the most important things i see so many shopify with like one blog post or two blog posts you should put more content over there even with ai now so you can get the good idea to create content using ai now so it's even better than before so it's really the right moment to create that and then you ease the media buyer and then the advertising result because you already have those foundation, 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 foundation. Yeah. I mean, there's been this big mindset shift that's been happening about giving value, like and not gating value. And I think, again, SGE makes that even more clear because it can't be trained on stuff that's gated or doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. So you've got to give that value. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If yeah. you're depending on people coming to your website to get that value, that's how things used to work. And now the more generative search experience, I can't imagine a world where generative search isn't the norm. So you better be planning on giving that value away off of your website. Yeah. I think the prioritization of if you should start building a strong website with blogs or you should start creating awareness with Facebook, like being omnipresent, trying to solve the problem making people aware about it. It depends on like, let's say Ollie realized he needs a shoe and then he goes looking for best shoes on Google. That's where you need a lot of content because your product is like that. The people come to Google first and try to look for you, what you offer in the research phase. But then sometimes the offer is there, which is more based off people who are not even aware about the problem. That's where your interruption marketing comes in play that, you know, there is a problem. Then they get realized instantly that we need to solve this particular problem. And who made us realize was this particular brand. And so what happens is when you're omnipresent, let's say I have my ads running on Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube, it builds a credibility that this brand is reliable because I see them everywhere. So a lot many times it really helps in favor of you than ultimately when the person was ready in making a final conversion was in the concentration phase and they go to shopping they see 10 vendors selling and then one of them one of which you know they saw on facebook the brand name itself they'll definitely engage with you and consider you and convert for you if they would never heard about you the possibility of them converting for you is going to be very low minimal yeah this comes all back to the customer journey like how is your customer finding your solution if they don't even know how they have a problem, then that's part of your customer journey as well that you have to create Facebook and TikTok ads for so that they can become aware of the problem. If they are looking for best running shoes, well, then that becomes a bit more of like, how are they going to find out about your running shoe? And that's part of that's through ads, but also I'd be looking into influencers and trying to get on these best of lists to help support that how that customer is going to be taking that journey to buying running shoes and hopefully they are yours. So it's like really, it all comes back to getting into the mind of the customer. There's That's never changed in marketing, right? We got kind of sucked into this conversions on Facebook. It's killing it. But that's... Exactly. Those aren't the fundamentals. 
with the running shoes only like just like the biggest example we talk about is nike so nike never sells the shoe it doesn't even talk about the shoe they talk about good athletes they recognize you know the good sport like you know if there is a well established player in a sport they rec- you know give them recognition they associate themselves with how great you can be and they associate them with that feeling and so it's about the emotion so if you capture that automatically you create your awareness and people start converting for you so again as you said the journey and what emotions does your customer is feeling and that emotion you can be a part of that in that journey you'll just excel with your advertising you will win them and nike doesn't create running apps i mean like apps that track your running they create the nike run club how do you find like-minded people who just do it to go partake in this activity that you love it's like really creating who, who i think it was a seth godin tiktok i saw where he was talking about if nike created a hotel you would know you would know what that hotel looks like like you can imagine what that looks like but if hyatt or hilton created a running shoe would you know what that looked like and that's the difference between having a clear brand and an unclear and a commodity brand yeah that's spot on we should type that on mid journey to become that. If Nike created an hotel and then you ask him to to draw it, would be good. All right. So one last big thing before we sign off, and that's the big piece of Google news this last week of Google demand generation campaigns. Can you talk a little about what those are? Yes. So demand gen is again the new toy which is being promoted from discovery and with given more ai driven features so now it also includes youtube shorts as a placement along with in stream videos the purpose of this is to really create a more awareness with your multiple placements that are now been put in there are few changes in the targeting also that it's surprising that after google sunsetted the similar audience it's turned back into look alike audience and so now it's only available for demand gen you don't have it available for account level but you can only use that for demand gen and that's interesting google bringing in bank that audience time you can optimize it based as usual discovery on conversion conversion value you can also do max click which is interesting so the the purpose of it is like how i see that campaign working would be post retargeting because if my audience is not converted and they they warm i show them ads on youtube or any other placement so retargeting is a first step for me to test in other than that if i'm you know trying to aware more people with more video based that's the difference like with discovery ads it was more about images and the images but it was never videos with demand gen it's more video oriented so you still have to be very creative about your messaging as we had the discussion like you can put more awareness based videos to test with demand gen try to create more awareness along with your look like audience so that's really interesting what do you think ali i agree with that part i think this could be really useful to first for the look like if we don't have access to them anymore and then to go broader and try to reach more people with the youtube part so definitely new new audiences are coming in i think search theme is another audience type that has come up on performance max it's like you give us your top 10 seed keywords about your product and we'll create the audience ourselves like we used to do it but now it's been put as search like theme 
custom custom intent with keywords would be the same. Like I th- now it's there's a limitation of the keywords that yeah. you can put in just ten. Oh, yeah, well, they were suggesting fifty before. Yeah, so now ten. Yeah. Have to be tested. How does like demand gen campaigns and performance max either compete or work together? Are they completely different advertisers that use them? Well, that's a very good question. I'll be in a situation where I have tested it along with performance max recently was released, so we have not really tested in thoroughly along with performance max. But that's so interesting. Now, when you have these features that you can exclude certain keywords in a performance max and have your other search campaign go after it. So balancing it all out is going to be interesting because demand gen is more video heavy and performance max depends. It goes uh, video heavy, search heavy, depending on other campaigns you have in the account. So let's say I have majority of my spend going towards uh, YouTube ads. My performance max would be video heavy. And so that's where would I run a separate demand gen? And how would that reflect on demand gen? Is it also going majority on the YouTube? So that we still have to test. How does that look like? I have a weird feeling that beginning of the year, they wanted to simplify the management of the account. And at the end of the year, it's they're going to complicate it a little bit more. <laughs> they change all the name. They change the, the campaign. They added other campaign. So they remove some and then they re-add it. Oh, okay. It's not complicated. It, it's, it's not really a, a problem for me. I like to discover new stuff and test. But it's a weird feeling to feel that, okay, let's simplify. Okay, no. Let's re-complicate it. Yeah, if somebody just transcripts the honest way of Google introducing a feature, Google's version would be, there's a simpler way to manage your campaigns. The honest would be, now you're going to spend more to get the same level of results. Yeah. It's more complicated for people also, in my opinion, for normal people entering Google Ads compared to years before, it's more complicated to handle. That's my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, Imagine they're trying to simplify it for those people, but I don't think they are. It's not working that way. Honestly, every other day when we audit an ad account and when we go into the ad account, I feel bad. Just because Google says that you do these, these, these steps and you'll get results, people just follow it. And they think that it's going to work and then they hope that, you know what, Google has a a learning phase of up to four weeks. I'm just going to let it rest. Or how can that result in performance if the whole setup is wrong? So as long as you wait, you're just only spending money. And this is so common, like the amount of audits that we have done. It just generally reflects how users are using Google Ads. It's not a simple tool how Google shows you. It's really complicated. So you have to be either the expert at it or you have to have an expert to do for, do it for you. If you are a person who doesn't know about Google Ads, or probably had done it five years back, you'll waste money. Like, it's a warning. Please take it as a warning. All right, we have a couple of questions here from Tashar. Can we do contextual targeting through display campaigns? What's a contextual targeting? Does it mean contextual targeting? Custom audience, custom intent? Yeah, if we can really drill down and decide audiences for display campaign. Yeah, I think that's the question. If that's the question, then... Again, you can give certain audiences which are already available um, in the Google Ads um, audience list. If your audience doesn't really belong in that available list, you'll have to create 
and give idea about what your audience is with your custom segment audience and then you can test that it's just just that you are relying on google um that you know google understands the word queries and keywords you have put together in order to build an audience if you have a customer list and you want to go exactly after that customer list if it's good one you can test that again i'm not really sure what the question is regarding display how can you control display networks band on your ac campaign i don't see why you can't control so uac is for apps or you can control the spend on placement i i'm, I'm not sure about the question rashna you, you got it control the spend maybe it means that sometimes google is like overspending two or three times the budget per day but it should balance after 7 or 14 days normally on a day per day basis all right going back to the contextual one here's what uh, bing chat says a uh, contextual contextual targeting is a feature in google ads that allows advertisers to display their ads on websites or web pages that are relevant to their products or services it uses keywords or topics to match ads with relevant content yeah it's in the custom uh, custom intent you can do keywords there or you can do placement so you you put a list of the placement or of, or your competitors or is it like a toggle or something that you have to turn on when you're creating a display campaign for contextual targeting or is it just by its very nature doing that yeah, in in display campaign you can target the list of placement you can put a list and then you target all, only those websites usually it doesn't work that well because it's either too expensive or a lot of people are already there so you can't really get impression and things like that but you have also you can create an audience and in that audience instead of putting keywords you put you put uh, 10 of your competitors 20 of your competitors and then google ads google create an audience based on those those links so maybe it means that yeah i think a, a general rule and whether it's facebook or google the more specific you get about stuff whether that's targeting or where you want your ads to show up the more expensive it's going to be yeah but display if you don't give him some uh, guideline it's going to be hell uh it's going to be all it's going to go all over the place a lot of placement are really are really bad and bot infested so then uh, you take hours and hours blocking 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 all the placement that's why it's hard so uh, yeah i rather give really some boundaries for google display so either placement keywords even that it's going to be a lot of work to get rid of the bad placement also you can add list of website where you don't want to be seen it's really a lot of preparation on internet directly and also it's like if you go after keywords it will automatically generate placements of that it's not like how we used to know the content targeting i think that's what he means here if you have your list of keywords you want to show your ads to your topics or your placements either one of you can select or one of three you can select and you can show your ads to that particular targeting but now it's not like that it's combined of all the three so you cannot choose one content targeting you ultimately going to opt for all the three so that's if that's the question then again to test and then no all right then i asked bing chat for an answer on this one here's what it says maybe you guys can add on add to that to control the spend on the display network for your uac you can adjust the bid for the display network you can also exclude placements that are not performing well yeah it's not very yeah it's not enough no no it's not tense right now if to give it a budget if it overspend normally it will balance after 7 14 days you should be fine and then you have to block a lot of placement yeah but it will overspend for sure 
specialty display. All right. Well, Ali, Roshna, thank you for all this great information today. I actually got quite a few topics for future posts for the Tier 11 blog so that we can show up better in SGE results when the time comes. Um, I think it's, I think we'll do, definitely do something on Google Demand Gen campaigns. There doesn't seem to be a ton of information and we want to make sure that we're informing people. I think they're a good blog in like Google Shopping and how to maximize it for SGE. Thank you very much. Any final thoughts on Google Ads? I said I said all my thoughts for today. <laughs> I would say no if there is, if you don't know how to run Google Ads and you go to Google to tell you that that plan, just remember that if you are running or if you intend to run Google Ads, do not take suggestions from Google to run your ads. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Where should That's they go? Conclusion. For Google Ads. <laughs> Either become an expert or look for an expert. That's that's the two options. And if you're looking to hire an expert, you can go to tier11.com. And there's tier a big 11. button. And we'd love to chat with you about not just your Google ads, but your full marketing funnel. Well, Ali Rashna, thank you very much. This was great. And I look forward to having you back soon. See ya. Thank you, Tom. Thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Customer Acquisition Show. Take the next step toward growing your customer base. Visit tier11.com and request your customized growth plan. And remember to hit the follow button so you can be notified of future episodes.